This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. My name is Keen, and I'm a haha yaka yaka person. And I'm James. Something, something, something. Bed, Bath and Beyonce. Welcome to Sissy That Pod, a RuPaul's Drag Race reaction podcast. We react to all your drag race needs. We've got you covered. And your Dragula needs. Mm, you know, exactly. should, we're should branching you? out. Yeah. <laughs> Diversifying our portfolio, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And if you like the show so much that you'd like to support us, keep us going, keep our little mouths fed, you can head over to Headstuff Plus. Uh, or headsuppodcast.com where you can support the show for five euro a month and you'll get all the extra episodes we do which cover the international franchises including this week oh well this week is a big special one we Mm -hmm. have a gorgeous chat with glenn edwards winner of glow up uh, season one from rte where we talk about the latest episode of dragula season four and <laughs> um, we talk about the Nosferatu beach party and then we have a bit of a chit chat and a chin wag about the latest episode of Drag Race Canada as well and um, yeah so it's a good one it is it was a good one Screech the musical you know I liked it so we've got two great guests for you this week uh, in different forms joining us to dissect the main episode the fugly ball of episode seven of UK season three is also a glow up contestant Pixie Wu aka Michael who you may know from the final of Glow Up, joins us, been on the show before, and we have a great chat through this week's episode. And in the middle of this week's episode, you're going to hear a wee little chat with Holly Stars, who is the star and writer of Death Drop. The drag race play that took the Gaiety Theatre by storm last week um, with some amazing Drag Race alum uh, on stage, Raj O'Hara, Willem, Karen from Finance, um, and some amazing performances from two drag kings whose names I've forgotten. Georgia Frost and Richard Energy. Yes, and it was like, a, I mean, classic panto style improv, really good fun. Of course, it's no longer available in Dublin for our Dublin listeners but if you're in the UK you can uh, you can find out where you'll be able to come see it and it does look like it'll be back around it's had amazing cast changes Latrice Royale was in it before Courtney Act was in it before Money Exchange so like they're channeling through the fab drag talent and just a great laugh as well and Holly is very funny absolutely so we chatted to Holly just about how it came about who she'd like to see in the future and about Drag Race UK, but you're going to hear that in about 20 minutes time. Let's have our first part of our chat with Pixie Woo. Pixie Woo, thank you for joining us for Drag Race UK. But before we talk about any of that, congratulations on a fantastic run on Glow Up Ireland. Thank you. I'm reality TV trash now. (laughs) 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 Sign me up. How was it to watch it all back? Uh, it's terrifying. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess because I'm such a reality TV junkie, like reality TV competition junkie, that like every time you watch it, you wonder like, oh, they have to be like over exaggerating about like being terrified of what the edit is because you don't know. But honestly, like, like you see an episode of Glow Up is like what like 15 minutes long, probably yeah. a little bit less. We were filming every day from 5:30 in the morning until 8:30 at night, and each episode took two days. So that's a lot of footage to get down to. Mm. like a 50 minute show so they really could show anything there was like yes. multiple breakdowns that weren't shown so waiting to see what they would show 5 30 in the morning yeah we would leave is... we would leave in the morning we'd have to be left the hotel at 5 30 in the morning to be on set to start filming but like we're mic'd from the moment we leave in the morning so and then you would get back depending on which day it was you would get back at like 8 30 
and you have basically time to do your mood board for the next day, go to bed and get back up again. And was it Drag Race rules where you were all like locked in rooms with tape under the door? So you no, we know what's not Oh, so you could all fuck each other. Yeah, we had, we, had, we had phones every evening. So it was a quick call to like Victoria being like, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, cool! No, but well, it was such a great show, and I mean, you were in the, you were in like the, the what's the bottom two called again? The face the, off. I was, a, I was the lipstick assassin off. of the season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so with your reality TV experience, would you still be interested in doing Drag Race? Uh, yeah, I think I'd, I'd be a little bit more ready now. Um, I think you have to go mm-hmm. in with a strong mindset and have your your sob stories ready to go. Definitely, like, yeah. don't it was like an organic soft story that you didn't plan on telling because I learned that lesson and it's not. That's fun. what I'm saying. You were very, you shared like quite, um, you shared quite, a, quite a, an extremely personal story, which did seem literally spur of the moment decision. Yeah, no. Be, our, um, our challenge for that one was like your deepest, like, emotional fear. And I had like some stupid one being like, oh, I'm afraid of death. And then like, we were all talking on the bus the day before. People were like, oh, I'm talking about mental health and I'm talking about this. And I was like, okay, I need to go for it with this. I need to really go and do my deepest fear. And then they came and their biggest fear was apples. And I was here talking about it. And she's like, my biggest fear is apples. I was like, y'all are liars. (laughs) I was gaslit into this. <laughs> uh, oh no, but you came across so well. We were absolutely rude yeah, for you, absolutely. so well done. And I, I mean, we we chatted to to Glenn Edwards about Dragula there last week, and we were saying that it's not often that a international reality franchise gets brought to these shores and gets done as well as Glow Up was done. Yeah, like, we it. have had some well. tricky ones, and it's just been. Like it really, I, I like like First Dates Ireland, I think it kind of was at the same level or even better than the, the UK version of it. So just everyone involved in the production, it was so fantastic. Oh, thank you. It was definitely a fun film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's jump into this week's episode, which I mean, was pure chaos from start to finish, right? I Like if you ever wanted confirmation that this season was done in a rush and they don't really care about the challenges watch episode seven i know it's mental like rue is like a sociopath the whole way through i'm like literally said it, it's squid games it wasn't drag race anymore it's like yeah it's squid games. <laughs> i'm waiting for her to like break out a cookie and be like come on kitty girl <laughs> like, <laughs> but as a drag performer i was wondering is, is this maybe a more realistic challenge is there times where you're like okay i have to do this you know zoom and then i have to run and go to the club and then i have to go do you know like does like is that more of a realistic challenge after three looks in a short period of time maybe not half an maybe hour maybe not but... maybe not three looks but there's definitely like getting ready in like a half an hour is not a, a foreign concept to a drag queen mm-hmm. there's so many times where like something goes wrong there's some variable during the day and suddenly it's like your gigs in half an hour and you should run in throw a face on and be on stage like that's fine but getting out of that look and getting into a completely separate look that's like I don't I don't think I've ever had to do that unless it's been like running from a desk to go to a gig. And I'm like, yeah. oh, take off last night's face and throw back on a new one. Yeah, it was it was mad. I suppose there's a, there's a there's a tiny bit at the start. Vanity, I can never really work out if, if is she just shady and she doesn't know it, or it's a humor I'm not getting. But she seems to come right at the gate and to come for Kitty for having no badge and it just I don't know when she kind of got a badge coming from her like who is who is back I want to see her boyfriend and talk to her boyfriend she mentions them a lot I'm like what are you saying to this person at home <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> confidence <laughs> 
It's like everyone needs it's you like, as a hype girl if this is the level. Yeah, that you're going to hire you to follow me around. <laughs> and it's like Vanity gets a badge on a challenge where there's four badges going. Do you know what sort of way? It's like if, if there was four badges for every challenge, Kitty would have a rake of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a bit a bit unfair. And then, I don't know, I found this whole top five narrative. I was just waiting for someone to come back. I can't believe we've got four people going in with three episodes left. Someone I has know, to come back, I thought right? that too. I was like, how is the top five already? It feels like it's just like flown by. And it's been like, it hasn't been a really exciting season where it's still like, feel like it's flown by and not like, like what is going on? Yeah. Yeah. Well, with, I suppose with Victoria's gone going and then with the double elimination last week, like there just seems like they're booting people out um, so fast. And it hasn't been, like it hasn't had the iconic moments of season two. Yeah. Like we haven't had anything where like, like there's no one, there's nothing that sort of is like dragging you back to be like, oh my God, I need to, to look yeah. at that. I need to watch that clip again. So it has kind of flown by in that way, but like in an under the radar kind of way. Well, there was also that ru- that rumor that's floating around about how fast it was filmed. That kind of seems like it's starting on like, mm, that might be true. Even this episode to be like, okay, you're you're literally getting no time. Yes. There's no three hours between, you know, in the usual ball challenge, they have like three hours between things to go back and do it. And also like when they did the, when they came in for the first one, like, Rue in the workroom, it's like, oh, you have to be on stage in 69 minutes. But then suddenly Rue is in full drag on stage in 69 minutes. Um, yeah. Trickery was that. they were like literally they were brought into like some backstage area and left sit there for about four hours and they're like right now rue is an hour away from ready so you guys can start (laughs) yeah Yeah, well the first one didn't feel that panicked i did feel like there was like they got plenty of time and they were like it didn't like i thought it was a very fake panic but the second two i believed it Yeah, yeah i think they probably filmed the workroom part for the first one the night before before they stopped wrapped the night before but uh, we get I, I again like last week with the the kind of emotional chit chat and the sob stories like they're, they're there's they're feeling very wedged in this year it sort of is like literally someone turning around sort of so um anyone talking about ugly yeah. have you been trolled yeah. <laughs> Just on the subject of ugly trolling you know oh. <laughs> and they were all kind of like no, not really. No, no. I know. And they all looked at Kitty being like, oh, Kitty, you must have been trolled. I'm like, just come out and call her fat if you're going to do it. Like, what are you trying to do? I know it's funny because like, no one even said it to her. And she's like, yeah, I know I'm fat, but I don't really care. I'm yeah. pretty body confident. They're all afraid to call her fat because Victoria's going waiting behind her fucking thing. Like, I'm <laughs> I feel we did get an actual moment to get to know Crystal, which I don't think we had really got up to this point because she's been doing so well, but I didn't really feel I knew her. So at least we got to kind of feel that sort of inner security by not feeling that confident outside of drag and not having had a sexual partner and stuff. So I thought that was beneficial for Crystal's storyline mm. that we kind of got to know her a bit better. Yeah, she's not a yeah. real queen, though. She, she's a drag over dick. I don't know a girl like that. <laughs> <laughs> Kitty was talking about that someone's tit falling out and she's like oh I was doing a brunch once and they forced me to do lip syncing against again and I was just like that is obviously the world of like drag queens you turn up to a gig and they're like this is something extra you're gonna have to do and you just have to put up yeah it's like oh we need to fill 45 minutes go (laughs) how do we find the whole charity shop sue segment that was the most chaotic, that part. But I actually kind of liked it as I kind of felt I was like backstage in the dressing room. Yeah, I quite enjoyed it because I think that part would have been quite boring because the girls are literally just ripping things apart and trying it on. So I think to have Charlie Shopsy there, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, 
especially with last week's crystal thing. So it was fun to mm-hmm. yeah. sweat a little bit. Poor Crystal thought she was so clever coming out with barnacles stuck to her face for the first thing. And like when I saw her walk out first, I was like, yes, work. And then when I heard they, they had to get ready, I was like, oh, bitch. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you should have rested up pretty. Like, this is one time to rest on pretty. It was that time. <laughs> <laughs> it was very stressful watching her, like doing her makeup there with the tits hanging out and like the, the pads on and all of the rest of them in their full looks. Like basically like yeah. standing, like choosing different options. And she was like just trying to sort her face out. Like... It was a it was a stressful watch, and also I did like when Ella of a Day was like, "Oh, it's great having Ella of a Day here, or it's great having a charity shop suit here." But I just wish she'd fuck off because I'm real busy. <laughs> it's true she couldn't she couldn't actually help them, so she was just sort of standing there just reciting catchphrases, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. from two meters away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was all very strange. It did sort of the whole thing did sort of feel like. Is the All Stars one finale where they have to like go somewhere and do an interview and then get into a car and drive and do a performance and then drive somewhere else? There was one of the challenge in one of the early seasons that was supposed to be like that to show what it's like to be a drag queen on the go at a busy schedule. I was wondering, is that was that the whole point of it? I don't know. I think that was missed if it was. <laughs> <laughs> Alicia Dixon yeah. was only available for for <laughs> yeah <laughs> for, for for that like half hour period. She was like, I've got to go off and get drunk with some uh, yeah. girls down the road. <laughs> oh, she was definitely on the way to a brunch. The way she was acting during that lip sync, I was like, oh girl. <laughs> <laughs> I think the budget started. Yeah. Fully expecting someone to bring her out some avocado toast there and <laughs> a mimosa. Eggs ready. Yeah. I thought she was great at the battle. I felt like it could have just been her there and she was like, you know, she was speaking on behalf of everyone. Yeah, yeah. She made a big impact. And the way she, like, when she was standing up and when she was singing along and when she was, like, sort of ad-libbing, like, RuPaul's Drag Race! It was like... Yeah. I was like, this is actually how I want... Like, when when, you, when you're when you sitting on the panel of, of Drag Race and your song is being performed, like, that's kind of the energy I want from you yeah. to see, like, this is, like, blowing your mind. I couldn't work out where... Was the swimsuit supposed to be fugly? Because RuPaul kept going, it's a fugly friend you bet gotta love yourself but it wasn't actually also supposed to be fully i don't think the girls i don't think the girls were told in advance that it had to be fully i think they just were given swimsuits and yes. then yeah that's why they all just like threw on a pair of teeth the last minute or were like did like jank their hair off <laughs> yeah. none of them were really that ugly <laughs> no yeah no. it was strange it, yeah so for that for that category i think that um crystal like absolutely blew it out of the water like her her interpretation of it was just so interesting and different and it actually was amazing to see her kind of do something so different because she's just been so beautiful and put together and to see her do Mm. like even like the face applications and like all the barnacles and stuff was just so cool looking Um, and then stood next to all the other people in their swimsuit looks it it kind of it was just you know you saw how much more thought had gone into it over and above what like the other people had yeah, poor Vanity Milan, that swimsuit was probably the worst thing I've seen in the runway. Oh my it god, was it was like a lagging jacket. So awful, yeah. It was so bad. I was like, who's throwing her overboard? Someone get her out quick. <laughs> oh my god. And there just was nothing to go with it either. Like, it just it just was on its own, just this, like a cardboard, like a cereal box, yellow cereal box that she just wore in her body. It yeah. just wasn't it. Like, yeah, no, it, was, it wasn't great. Um... Yeah, I did like Scarlet's though. I thought Scarlet, like I thought her swimming look, was her best look. I know there was a character to yeah to the EastEnders look, but I thought I quite liked it with the bathing cap. Like it was it was very of its of a time. 
Yeah, I think Ella looked good too. I think it's probably one of the best looks Ella's pulled so far. Yeah. She, tends to look, mm. she tends to look quite old when she's in drag and a little bit frumpy. Yes. I think it's the best she's looked and she's supposed to look fugly, so that's a lot about where she's going. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that does seem to be her, her look seems to be sort of like ladies of a certain age, like which is why Nigella kind of suited her. Yeah. You know, I can see her doing like a good Kirsty Allsop as well. Like, you know, that's the sort of, that's the sort of, that's the sort of person who she, she seems to do well. Um, Like I thought she, she has that sort of knowing look in her eyes when she's doing something that kind of like, I've got a secret. Because Kitty's swimsuit look with the crimped hair and I thought she was giving me Amy from Sex Education. I don't know if you've seen that. I love But like, she really delivered the character, I thought. Yeah. Again, the swimsuit was so basic, though. It was, the swimsuit wasn't there. It was just a character, like, put on top of, like, with the crimped yeah. hair and then the teeth. And the, like, yeah. it just was like, I've got, like, a basic, I need to add something extra to this in terms of the way yeah. I present it to try and, like, elevate it. And she did that really well. Like, I think she, she did a fantastic, she's obviously an amazing performer. But yeah, the swimsuit itself was basic. On this week's episode of The Workroom, James and I chat to the winner of Glow Up Ireland, Glenn Edward, about why they love Dragula so much. When I started drag, I started off obviously as a teenage drag queen. Um, so I was just in, you know, the usual drag. But then like as I explored drag, I discovered like the burlesque industry in Dublin and a group called Gorlesque. And I started to like delve into this kind of like, like I got to Rocky Horror every year. So, you know, I was kind of diving into this kind of punky horror side of performance and that kind of spiraled me into horror drag and like my first ever performance I like covered myself in blood I like I had a slit throat I was like kind of mad and was on the dragon stage of all places oh, wow. so I was like fit in here <laughs> <laughs> and James and I are overwhelmed how good the most recent Drag Race Canada acting challenge is like it was funny it was well written um like i i i love the all the like the cliche bits from the yeah it was good it was well casted everything was you know great well done head over to the premium stream at headstuffpodcast.com have a listen and listen to all the back episodes and be the first to hear the new episodes as they hit the feed we'll see you over there Holly Stars, thank you for joining us. Where do we find you this evening? Oh, I'm at home this evening having a lovely rest. I'm having a... Oh, I needed it. I was exhausted. I'd say so. It's a so. death drop. On, we've been on tour for, for weeks. They're working me like an old donkey on Blackpool Beach. <laughs> a lovely plate of crispy pancakes, ain't no doubt. <laughs> oh, yes, always. And did you get a chance to to roam around Dublin while you were here or was it a strict schedule? I did a little bit have a roam around, not a great deal. And I didn't get to do as much sightseeing Mm -hmm. as I'd have wanted to. But um, it was lovely, beautiful city. Really nice. You got it before all the clocks changed and it got very dark and cold. So you got like the last good week in the year, you know? (laughs) Hey, I'll tell you what though, it's absolutely extortionate in those spa shops, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. It really is. It really is. I, mean... I, went to, I went in to buy a double decker. It cost me one euro sixty. I thought I'd been robbed. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, we, it's been it's been slowly rising around us for for decades now. So we don't even notice anymore. You know, you go in, you're spending like ten euro on a on a chicken roll, a can of coke, and a, and yeah. a double decker at the end of your night out, and you're thinking, oh, that's that's a bargain.
You're like the famous frog that's being slowly boiled alive and doesn't yeah, realize yeah. till it's too late. Yeah. <laughs> you were just taxing us to bit with our with our sugar tax. <laughs> uh, so you're over here for Death Drop. James and I both saw it separately, actually. Uh, we both had a book ticket separately, but then both realized we we're going at the same time. We both loved it. Let's just talk for us all. How, how did it all come about? So Tuck Shop, the big drag product, theater production company, yeah. um, I've worked with them for a while on various different things and they said that they wanted to do a drag murder mystery and they were talking to me about it and I said I can write it for you if, if you want mm-hmm. and um I've never written a drag murder mystery before <laughs> most people haven't <laughs> but I was, com- I was confident <laughs> I was confident I could do it because I love a murder mystery mm-hmm. and um I love an Agatha Christie mm-hmm. and I write a lot of stand-up for Holly anyway um so so I, I gave it a good crack and we, we set it in 1991 because I wanted it to be a bit of an escape from the reality of when I was writing it, which was during the during the second lockdown. And it was kind yeah. of miserable. People had had enough. And I just thought if I write something that's set in the 90s, it can be so fun and irreverent. And yes, people won't need to worry about what's happening in their life now because it's all happened then. And we can do some fun, you know, some fun references about people who were revered in the 90s yes, and then turned yeah. out to be rotters later on um <laughs> so you know it was it was just a very fun i just wanted it to be a very fun show basically and i i, I actually i um on saturday when i went to see it had earlier that day gone to see there was another queer theater show called once before i go which also had a very harrowing scene set in 1991 where an individual uh, passed away to to aids so i had a, like a culture shock of coming in having sent spent <laughs> spent two hours down in the gate theater in a very different 1991 to the one that was presented to me on the just as much death but a lot more joy <laughs> there was, yeah, there yeah. was a, a, way more death and death drop, but much fa- more fabulous. <laughs> and then also the world of 1991 in in the play as well. It's still quite contemporary because it's all about Diana. It, it's it's you know, and it's the wedding anniversary for Diana, and like it's also contemporary with the crown and everything. And even the was Kirsten Stewart considered for the role of Diana <laughs> in the um in the the cameo towards the end. It was actually Kirsten Stewart playing. No, oh my god! <laughs> I don't know if you if you didn't recognise her, that's shame on you. Because <laughs> she did a great job. They like, sounded just like the Diana in in the crowd, more so than the real Diana. <laughs> uh, the cast is ever changing. Do you think that really that adds? Do you think it gives it new life for? Because you're in all of the productions so far. Do you think it keeps it exciting for you? Oh, it definitely keeps it exciting for me, it, and it certainly keeps me on my toes. And it's really fascinating to. See see how different performers interpret the same characters and mm-hmm. how and as a as an actor in the show how that changes my relationship with that character mm-hmm. my character's relationship with them um so it's really interesting and also it's such a great sign that the show has this amazing reputation now that drag artists from all over the world want to be in death drop we get messages from from big named queens who, who want to be in the show and um and it's it's really great for us. I, I'm amazed that it's it's taken on a life like that. But um, but yeah, it's good. We're, I'm thrilled, especially with the kings that we have mm. at the yeah. moment in the show, and they're they're both so incredible and and so different from the actors who played those roles before. The parts feel completely new. Yeah. Um, so so that's that's one of the great things about it. I think is that that we can 
put new people in and it will feel like a new show so you can come and see it three times for every you know i know people who have been to all three of the productions and and they've said it's like a different show each time yeah definitely coming out of it i was thinking is like i actually like it's rare that you go see a show and you're like i want to go see that again like i just want want to change the and see it again is there anybody that you would love to see in one of the roles do you have like a bucket list of who you'd love to see cast oh gosh i don't know really oh i'd love to see ginger minge playing Shazza, the the washed up pop singer. Yes, I'd, I'd want to rewrite it a little bit to make that role a country singer that's a bit yeah. washed up and have Ginger Minj in it. That would be my. I'd love to see that in one yeah. of the incarnations of the show. If Willem ever relinquishes their tight grip <laughs> on the part, then, <laughs> then that's who I'd, I'd like to see. But anyone really, I think it's just fun to 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 see it change. That's what we were we actually we were wondering about before and how much of it is sort of like obviously there's there's the script of the show, but even from watching it, you can tell that there's little improvs or like, you know, characters break and start laughing and have to be reacted to. So how much of that happens on a night to night basis and kind of do you go, if something feels funny, do you kind of go with it more? Because there was a lot of there was the night I went, um, your character had the kind of gaspy laugh thing. And obviously, I'm assuming that every night that's like a big kind of laugh getter. But do you kind of exaggerate it a night? Do you feel it's going or do you like lean into that improv or do you try and say stick or do you try and say stiffly to the to the to the script? Oh no, there's no staying stiffly to the, to the <laughs> If you've seen it, you know what you're asking me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know the answer. <laughs> no, there's lots of laughing. We we honestly have such enormous fun in putting this show on. I can't tell you how much fun it is. It's the best job I've ever had. Yeah. And and honestly, every day I'll look at Vinegar Strokes on stage and have to look away from her because I'm about to laugh or because I've started <laughs> laughing. And uh, and it, it's, re- it's really a joy. So there's a lot of improv. There are a lot of new moments that develop. So, you know, we might, someone might try something one night and it gets a laugh and they'll keep on trying it till it builds into something bigger. And, and I, as the writer of the show, love all of that. Like I'm, I'm not at all fussy. If someone wants to change a word or change a line or add a joke in, like, if it's gonna, if it gets another laugh, then it can stay in. That's that's, mm-hmm. you know, the point of a comedy is to make people laugh. If people are still yeah. laughing, then it can stay. Um, and that, so so yeah, it's, it's it is different every night. And a lot of the laughing that you see from the cast is real because we've lost it. Yeah, because <laughs> I was watching it, and my friend and I, who who I was with, every single time the thunder went off, I jumped out of my seat. <laughs> and then there was the parts I think. Where I think it was Karen from Finance is the first one who's interrupted repeatedly by the thunder. And I was like watching yeah. it and I was like, I feel like she has lost count of how many times the thunder is going to strike and she's confused. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know, she is so precise. She is so precise. And that that is the same. That bit's the same every day. Okay. Mm. Funny. She's, she's great at it. She she's really fun. It is like a bit of a um. It's almost like a bit of a, a drag con with the, the 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 queens coming through from the different um iterations of the show. So like you kind of it's like a mixing pot almost of the various international drags. So, so how did Karen from Finance ended up uh, end up kind of like part of this latest cast of it? Well, we did have Anaphylactic playing Morgan Pierce before, who is the amazing queen from Manchester that was mm-hmm. part of Drag SOS and family gorgeous and she couldn't do it this she couldn't do the tour because she was booked for something else and um and we'd all seen karen from finance before 
she was on Drag Race Down Under. And then she was amazing on Drag Race Down Under. And Chris from Tuck Shop was friends with her and said to me on the phone, do you think Karen from Finance? I was like, oh my God, text her now. And, <laughs> and it was literally like, we had that chat and, and we were like, let's text her. And, and Chris texted her and, and it happened. So um, it was a very natural fit and, and, it, and such a happy one because she's been such an amazing member mm. of the cast. And in a lot of the venues where we don't have a dressing room each, I share a dressing room with Karen. Yeah. And, um, and we have a lot of fun together. She's, she's really a great company member. And you play the Bottomley Sisters, Brie Blue and Spread. Do you have one that you like the most? Probably I like Brie the most because she's not stupid enough. Without revealing any surprises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bree's probably my favourite one. Okay. But they, they've all got a special place in my heart, the three little peas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next thing you have coming up now then is the Dick Whittington pantomime um, again yeah. with a, a rake of well-known uh, drag performers as well. Is it, are you involved in the writing of that as well? Or is that something that, or, or is that more of a collaborative thing? Because it's again through that Tuck Shop uh, production company, isn't it? It is through Tuck Shop, but no, I'm not involved in the writing of this one. It's being written by um, Gareth Joyner. Mm-hmm. who is the um, comedic talent behind Myra Dubois and um, Frank Lavender. And so I haven't seen a script yet, but I am assured it is hilarious. Um, <laughs> and I am playing the cat, which I'm not happy about because people who know me well know that there are two things in theatre that I hate, and that is um, humans playing animals <laughs> and the sound of children singing. And <laughs> So pantomime is perfect. <laughs> pantomime as a cat. Pant- the pantomime is just my dream job. <laughs> <laughs> it, hope you don't, don't get cast for cats because that'll be a whole other nightmare. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, there's a there's loads of the Drag Race UK girls in the pantomime. How are you finding this season? And would you ever consider applying? Oh, I don't know if it's for me to be honest, but um, I do watch it. I do watch the season and I have thoughts, obviously, as we're watching it, as we all do. <laughs> I'm loving um, Kitty Scott Claus and Ella Day. Mm-hmm. I just have yeah. to say that I think that they're absolutely fantastic. I think it's a shame that Victoria's gone yeah. when yeah. as early as she did, because I think probably she'd be a front runner um, and in it to the very end. Um, she certainly deserves to be. She's such an amazing talent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 an interesting season, isn't it? They're all so young, and it feels like it feels like everyone in it is fairly new around. Like I don't think there's anyone that's been around more than five years or so. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a very recent. It's a very recently started cast. Um, yeah. And by comparison to maybe the previous years, where you've had like much more established people who who even like would have had profiles over in like over here in Ireland as well we you know we, we would have known a few of the queens going in whereas yeah. this year it is all like very new which is great because it's after giving us Theresa May which is to treat that none of us realized oh, we, we yeah. needed <laughs> but has absolutely been so nicely received <laughs> it's great because it's providing opportunities to so many up-and-coming talents I think yeah. I would I would have liked to have seen some more established performance yes. on the on the lineup this year i would have loved to see 
I don't, I don't know whether they apply for it or not, but I'd I'd love to see me, for example, or um, not me, me, <laughs> the queen <laughs> called me. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, I was like, after saying you're not going to apply, I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, the queen, me. Um, just you know, people that have been around for a long time and that have like mm-hmm. helped help build the scene. I think that they have something to offer that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, well, no, certainly- Drag Race must be knocking on uh, will be knocking on your door soon enough to write one of those acting challenges. Because I mean, murder issues are so incredibly British. It certainly suits for the show, and you've obviously uh, written one that's incredibly successful. Oh, I would love to write one of the acting challenges. I'd love to. Yeah, that would be that would be a mega fun job. I don't know. I don't know whether it's the kind of thing they'd they'd ask another drag to do, but I'd certainly be happy to. It would be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, no, it would be. It would be because um, the the acting challenges can be hit or miss, and I think you know someone who's steering the ship that knows how to get a laugh is 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 what they what they need. <laughs> <laughs> No comment. No, no shade or no comment or nothing like that. <laughs> but you know, I think I think there is always the elephant in the room with Drag Race, which is that one thing that we try really hard to do with Death Drop and that I'm particularly conscious of is about raising up the kings that we have in the show and yes. making sure that they, you know, will find that people will will tag a photograph of the curtain call. So all eight of us are on stage for the bows. And they tag every person except for the kings. All the queens get tagged, and the kings get left off. And and um, and I think it is becoming a problem yeah. um, that really needs addressing soon. And and Drag Race is creating this divide in the community um, by the way it produces a hierarchy of who gets the paid gigs, who gets the most money, who gets the biggest platforms. It's queens that have been on Drag Race, and of course the kings can't compete with that until they're given the same opportunity and so i really feel very strongly watching this season of drag race it was fantastic that victorious gone was on the show but they can't celebrate that as a victory because they're the ones that stopped her from being on it for 20 years to begin with (laughs) yeah no absolutely we really need the show to start not just offering a token afab performer but start offering real equality gender equality yeah or equality in types of drag that it shows on that it showcases particularly in the uk i don't know yeah. maybe the us scene is different and they've got more pageants than we have here and so perhaps it is more queen focused but certainly the cabaret scene that i see in london every lineup's got kings on it yeah. every lineup's got people of color on it and if drag race isn't representing that they cannot claim to be the olympics of drag yeah. Because yeah. they're not, they're not the Olympics of drug. They're not showing everybody who's involved, and it's and it's a, and actually it's to their detriment. It's a yeah. shame. Yeah, I remember saying it at the start of the season as well, which was like when RuPaul first, you know, complimented Victoria Scott. was like, "Oh, you're breaking boundaries." Like, yeah, the boundaries that he set himself. No other boundaries. Yeah, yeah, they set <laughs> yeah. those boundaries. No one else told them <laughs> that there women on the so, show. Yeah, but we we also cover um, Dragula, and obviously there is much more of a focus on 
the art form of drag and inclusivity. So they've had drag, like a drag king won that one of the seasons and they are very conscious of of bringing in. And I think that they're hopefully that the impact of another show like that, that sort of is sort of nipping at the heels of drag race will push it to start including more people because I mean, like you're right here in in, in Dublin, even there's a couple of drag kings, but you're right. They don't get the same attention. They don't get the same gigs because I think there is such a blinkered focus on queens as being yeah. kind of what you want and it's like sequins and gowns and queens and death drops and that's what you want um and like the performances that they do are like amazing and boundary pushing and fantastic as well and it is, it is about kind of trying to create space where everyone's contribution is, is recognized and yeah you know making people laugh and making people dance and making people enjoy a silly night out yeah and whoever exactly. does that best, whatever gender they are, they need to be exactly. celebrated. Like we just need to, I would just love to see the best drag performers from the scene on there, regardless yeah. of whether they're kings or queens or cis male or cis female, like whoever they are. I just want, to, I would just love it to, to really represent the yeah. scene. It'd be interesting to yeah. see this. Yeah. Well, maybe the clues in the question, but the this new Queens of the Universe singing competition they're going to have, I wonder, will that be strictly queens or will they open it up to more? Drag talents. Well, it's called so, Queens yeah. of the Universe, so I'm not holding out much hope <laughs> that, that they're going to be any better than Drag Race, to be yeah. honest. Yes, yes, I guess so. I, I'm a fingers crossed. They're hoping for it. Hi, <laughs> uh, says, thank you so much for your time and for chatting. Honestly, we both loved Death Drop. I, I know you're finishing. It was so, so in fun. Ireland now, but we've listeners in the UK. Make sure you go out and get it. And we are. So yeah, we're we're going to Crew next week. And then we're in Edinburgh and Birmingham after that. And you can find all the details on deathdropplay.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been gorgeous. They're only stories. A new anthology drama podcast that celebrates stories and the writers behind those stories. I go like the hounds of hell are after me. Good to know. Premiering on the 17th of October on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Their Only Stories is produced by Riots Productions in association with the Headstuff Podcast Network and funded by the Arts Council of Ireland. Yes, you should be planting. Right, the second one was the charity shop, Chic Look. My notes are all out of order for this one, so I'm just going to go with what order my notes were in. But I like that Kitty gave us the character of Daphne from Scooby-Doo, but did she not have a red wig? That was my only disappointment. I think she kind of just went with it. She built the character on the spot, I'd say. She kind of yeah. had what they had. <laughs> yeah. But, um, <laughs> I loved her look. That little cardy thing really sold me. And the fact that the buttons were kind of just about to come open, I would put that incredible <laughs> to me. I, I did also love the like the frumpiness of the cardigan with like the tightness of that like neon yellow skirt. Like it was very much like yeah. you've got like four euro to spend on an outfit for tonight in Oxfam on Georgia Street. Like, you know, yeah. have at it. And I, with, the, with the Daphne thing, I fully imagine that someone said to her backstage, oh, you know, you look like Daphne from Scooby-Doo. And she was like, bingo, that's what I'm doing. Daphne from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> Quick Google, because she knew the surname. Daphne Clark, was it? I didn't know what Daphne's surname was. So, oh. Well, I mean, there you go. She <laughs> has a wealth of references. Like her references are insane. So I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah, to be fair. Yeah. No, I thought, so I thought, yeah, it was well salvaged. But I think the whole thing was just about salvaging, I guess. Like uh, Crystal is the next to my notes. I think she came out next. Had the little black dress, if you'd even call it that, with the fishnet tights and the Jesse J curtains. Yeah. 
Like she looked good, but it wasn't like it was. Yeah, basic. I think she had the hardest job though because she got the last picking of all the dresses because she spent most of her time trying to do her yeah. makeup. So she literally got, mm. and she said like, as she was picking things up, you could see the girls had like ripped them to try them on. So she really yeah. had like, uh, yes. she had like what was left on the rack that would actually fit her. And like as like a girl, like she's like so tiny for a girl that's skinny to get something in a charity shop, it's not going to fit. No, she won't get the comedy effect of like buttons bursting like the rest of the girls will. So she yeah. did the hardest job. Yeah. <laughs> And, and again, like, even she had that, like, big pink smocky dress thing on um, initially. And it's like, she was, she's so small in it that it would just have swamped her. Like, she couldn't have kind of yeah. even done, like, the belt-in thing to try and, it would just would have been too. And I kind of think that the transformation, I think Alan said it as well. Like, the fact that she did the transformation from, like, the super kind of, like, creepy sea creature look to just very pretty and, like, scaled back kind of showed like the different sides of of her so i didn't mind that it was kind of a basic look i thought she looked gorgeous as well like and to be able to do that in like what like 60 minutes to be able to like transform the makeup and like pull yeah. together like really really impressive because all the rest of them essentially had the same makeup on from their previous look and then had more or less like a full hour to pick a look out of the what was there so the challenge she set for herself was insane and i thought she looked really good i liked her look yeah yeah I thought she looked good too. And I think we're really seeing an evolution how she sells it on the runway. Like I think first few episodes, she was really giving us that sort of like fierce fashion face. But this was a real lot more camp and sort of fun expression, which was all sort of like a kind of like a a perky receptionist. So I I think we definitely see gross there. Yeah. Yeah. Crystal, the perky receptionist, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I have Scarlet next. In, like in comparison to the little black dress I just thought sorry she just looked really washed out I don't know something about the silhouette game like Celine Dion like just that classic sort of little black dress silhouette don't bring my hair. Celine into it like that don't bring my mother <laughs> <laughs> but then the doggy hair I just I just thought it was bad it gave me um Shire Needles Poodle Runway which is not as camp mm, it yeah. was very that like the big hair the little black dress just needed the boots and the dog but uh, yeah, if you compare her to, to Crystal, who had to like change her entire face and then yeah. grab a little black dress, she had all that time to do it and still came up with the same tiny black dress. Yeah. Yeah, it's just not going to cut it. Yeah. Here's a, no. a question as, as a makeup expert with Scarlett. Do you think Scarlett doesn't wear enough makeup for Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. In fact, I had written down in my notes saying that her makeup for the swimsuit one was the most makeup she's worn for the entire season so far. And that was to look ugly. I'm like, girl, it's the best you've looked so far. You actually have eyeshadow on and a pair of eyebrows that you can see under light. Because <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what I've noticed from her right the way through is like you, you kind of see, you can, I guess it's from the lights and all them that you can kind of see a suggestion of makeup on her face. But like it's very small like yeah. the, and i'm sort of surprised that the judges haven't pointed it out and like pointed her more in that direction of like doing draggier looks um because yeah like it like it looked like she wasn't wearing any makeup at all in this charity shop look yeah like, it just like, looked like it was her crystal, Versace, crystal versace's like confessional look is like heavy makeup compared to what she wears on the runway <laughs> like crystal's boy beat is heavier <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, there's regularly something off with it that I couldn't put my finger on. So yeah, that obviously must be it. Then it's just obviously not enough because it it is always gives you sort of it always gives you a bit of boy, 
And I think because she's such a feminine looking boy anyway, it kind of, it doesn't look the worst. Like, it doesn't look like Ella, who still looks like a man, do you know? At some point, <laughs> Poor Ella. Like <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's because she's got that, that face, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it makes her so good looking. Uh, Ella's ex, though, she does gives us that turquoise and mauve uh, look. It was, it was very, like, old school lady, but like a one who you'd want to, like, have a, Cosmo with yeah she kind of gave me Frenchie from Greece a little bit with this little kind of like silhouette yeah. and a little scarf yeah. but then like the big like lavender hair but again it was kind of like when she was like oh I'm going to give you like glamorous with a little fur on Kitty was like girl where's that glamorous <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like Disney villain <laughs> yeah. and she was ready for earlier than everyone else she was standing around there in the middle of the floor just dressed like that just like distracting everybody else mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh I would too if I was ready first I would get under everyone's skin so I get that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like she like I would like to see her in something more youthful though but maybe that's like I don't know is that purposeful from her to give us that sort of more older matronly I don't know look? but then for the next for the next one way for the the last one she kind of yeah. gave us her definition of youthful and I was like oh girl people have been doing this for years this is not like oh I'm edgy in my chaps and my tartan also, <laughs> yeah if one more person wears tartan and they're like oh it's giving me Vivian Westwood fuck off yes <laughs> not yes. everything yes. tartan yes. is Westwood yes. it drives me insane <laughs> oh my god it, no, but it's like it's like when when someone does a um like a really heavy like eye and they say oh my god I'm, I'm acting Betsy Johnson they're like oh god this makeup yeah. is very like it's just like no not like it's not it's not just that one reference there are more references than that one reference yeah it's <laughs> <mental>. <laughs> yeah but I don't know part of me just wonders is that just her taste but it's not necessarily her drag character I don't know it's hard to know. Yeah, she gives me a lot. There's lots of queens I know like her who have like, you know, no basic style, but they like, they like costume. So it's really yeah. hard if you're someone who just wears costumes to go on a runway and kind of give fashion. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the, that like kind of over the top sort of dame sort of persona that she has does play quite well for the fact that she is like musical theater. Like she, like it kind of leans very solidly. And also it doesn't help that when she washes it all off, she's just like spectacularly attractive man, you know, whose only experience of trolling is that people are like, can I eat your ass please? I know that moment <laughs> when she had her two badges that she seen her like a little titty wonk. I was like, oh, <laughs> do it again, do it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that, does that make sense? Like does she, has she learned her fashion from the theater and not from like the yeah. fashion magazines in the run? Yeah. I mean, for her first, for the first few episodes, like everything she was wearing just looked like it had borrowed from a theater company. So I think yes. that is her vibe. Mm. She just does get character in theater drag. Yeah, a bit ginger mingy, actually, probably in that sort of way. Where yeah, and a little like a little Alexis Michelle as well. She kind of gives me Alexis Michelle yeah, vibe. Yeah, I, I get that from her. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. yeah, very good. And she was wearing turquoise today as well. Perfect. <laughs> uh, Vanity gave us that Mary J. Blige wig and the orange sequin dress that she was. <laughs> I love when Kitty was like, Vanity's putting on something orange, of course. I, oh, I thought this was bad now. I, I like I like what she was going for with the wig. It seemed kind of short. Like, I felt like, I don't know, it didn't come down her head far enough. Yeah, like, I loved that it. It would be like down to Crystal's chin, but it was like <laughs> Vanity's eyebrows. Crystal hasn't got a chin, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved it. I thought she looked stunning. I was like, I, I really thought it was like one of my favorite. I lo- like I, the belt and the orange. I thought she was gorgeous. Yeah, I think she sold it on the character. It was just a strong character. She was like yeah. doing the like the mini leaks meets like Brits and yeah. Brits yeah. body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I noticed like she didn't make the dress, but I, I just thought the dress looked inexpensive, and she got, she chose it. Yeah. I guess. I mean, if you were gonna if you were gonna like line them up and tell me which one was from a charity shop, she'd be the first one I'd go for it because it's like everything any drag queen gets in a charity shop. It just looks. What <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, then the final, the fugly but fashionable. So this is one, I assume they this was somehow they prepped for the main runway. I'm yeah. gonna guess based on based on what we saw. Um, so I have Kitty first, uh, who gave us the sort of knit. No, well, anyway, yeah, the like the old lady with the knit, which was revealing to another knitted jumper. Uh, again, it was like very similar to her character in the first one, but like she serves it every time. Yeah, I also like disagree with the judges when they were saying like it doesn't feel fashion because it actually felt really fashion to me. Like I think it was that Alan said something about the Gucci references and yeah. also like mm-hmm. I thought it was very Victor and Roth because it was that like chill at the end, but like the message across was that like yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. So and I thought I think... the, the references were there for like being fashion and still being camp. Yeah, and I think because like the the like she was bringing those elements of fashion into it, and then she was like giving it the kind of fugly edge of having it kind of be like a grandma's kind of you yeah. Know, yeah grandmother going down the market on a sunday or whatever it is look I, I i thought she married the two of them together really well and she did like give a great character with us like you kind of you saw the comedic parts of it the campness of it yeah i i thought she looked really good and you're right i didn't really agree with the judges when they were saying oh this isn't really fashion because it had so many of those little kind of nods built into it yeah i think they were slightly distracted by the character i guess the character wasn't necessarily what, what you'd expect to see fashion the luck did so yeah i don't know I, I really liked it though i think it definitely deserved kitty to get to get the win um vanity then with the black puffer coat dress i i, I they people loved it i just didn't really like this at all I, and i also was waiting for a reveal no i love the dress actually it's one of the best things probably the best thing she's worn all season hands yeah, down i agree i hated yeah. the hair and the headpiece but yeah, I think the dress on its own was incredible it was kind of like a nod to like Montclair and all these like designers that do puffer um, mm. I loved it, but I think the styling was terrible. The hair and makeup and that headpiece was just not yeah, it for me. I, no, I, I could be. I thought that the dress was really interesting. It looked amazing. Like it, it was. Like she looked stunning in it. But that like headpiece was so distracting. Um, and it, it felt like kind of thrown on just probably just like a lack of confidence in just wearing the dress yeah and like just having like a more simple styling for the hair and makeup whatever because i yeah i i thought that it was kind of just like it was that like the weird sparkles in the yeah and it's the wig wasn't the wig was an awkward length for the hair is like either like shorter wig or like no headpiece but decide either one yeah exactly but no i i love the dress and i thought she looked fab in it um and, and the, I, the fringe I, was was too low i thought of the of the way too was it yeah, it was giving us chorizo on the fucking on last week during the yeah. lip thing. Oh, it was coming down and down. <laughs> Poor chorizo. <laughs> and the ju- the judges always comment on Vanity's sort of makeup transformation. Do, do you notice that? And do you know what she's done to make a difference? No, I haven't noticed it any week. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Because I definitely, the makeup was one of the last things I, I think of. And when I touch my friends, someone's like, oh, her makeup was great in that look. And I'm often like, oh, I don't know. That's one of the last things I look at. So I've not seen it, but I was wondering, had you seen it? No. But no. <laughs> Maybe you need to be in the room. <laughs> uh, Scarlet then with her Bianca from EastEnders, Chav, Couture uh, look. I really enjoyed the character here. Yeah, I think that's the difference between her and Kitty is like Kitty gave a character but still gave like fashion references where she just gave a character. There was nothing fashion about it. Yeah, I think she just like, she had a look she wanted to do. She was like, I want to do a 
like a direct Bianca from EastEnders, who now is like a COVID denier or something. I saw this on Twitter earlier. But anyway, it's like, I want to do a direct... Co- uh, a direct You're not my pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like she wanted to do a direct Bianca reference and then she didn't really care about what the rest of the, the challenge was. She was like, this is what I'm doing. Um, yeah. And it did look amazing. Like it was a really good impression of, of her. Like, and it was yeah. really fun. Like the Vlora tracksuit and stuff was really... Yeah. I know. She Part of me was like, was that her original Snatch Game before she was made to Macaulay Culkin? Because <laughs> it would have been so much better. <laughs> I mean, I would have preferred this. Like, I guess it's a, I don't know if you call it fashion, but maybe she was just going for it. It's like a side of clothing worn in a particular area. And that was her interpretation yeah. of fashion rather than. Also, like, I think fashion. sometimes in drag race, the brief they're given doesn't always like, it's kind of a loose brief. And then they kind of tighten it up after like the name is given last minute. Yeah. So she might have just yeah. misinterpreted the brief and just gone with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They might like they might have just been like, you need to do something fugly, and she was like, oh, that's perfect. And then yeah. they added this fashion thing, and she was like, right, well, I'm just gonna go with what I have. Yeah. Mm. Uh, we've kind of spoken already about the Elevaday plaid plus chaps. I think that's my favorite Elevaday look that I've seen because it didn't feel as theatrical as the rest. I loved the watermelon um, last week because it was just uh, so like say. the watermelon yeah. was my favorite. But um, okay, it was definitely nice to see her in something that was a bit more like. You know, stage ready and a bit more like any drag queen could wear. You know, chaps are awful now, but yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I thought that like it was nice to see her doing something that wasn't just like a, a gown. Um, yeah. and the watermelon definitely is my favorite thing she's done. But I, I did, I did enjoy that. Um, and yeah, she did, she did look fun in it, I- even though. Oh, like it, it did. I, I don't know. I didn't get how the, the judges were like gagging over it so much. Um, because I thought, I thought like she very much got the fugly part of it, but it had the fashiony references in it as well. But yeah, I didn't think it was as great as perhaps they were saying it was. Yeah, like every time the judges like, oh, I could see this walking off a runway. I'm like, who is inviting you to runway shows that you were seeing this walking off a runway? Like, <laughs> yeah. is the Dublin Fashion Festival because I've been to that famous. <laughs> Well, I, I kind of liked how the, the the chaps were kind of ruched as well. It didn't look like just a straight up chap, which I thought was kind of good. And I guess for me, it looked more fashion because it was being worn by Ella. Because yeah. it's kind of a lot more. It's it's like you know something. If your mom walks around the corridor, you're like, oh, well, that's very fashionable of you. So it's like you're kind of not used to seeing her that way. So I think the garment does look different on her. I guess. <laughs> um, Crystal was finally next with her. Muppets dressing gown with the big multicolored clowny wig, um, yeah, like I thought it was definitely good, but I didn't, I wasn't living. I didn't see the fugly in it. I know that they thought because it was so because it's still. She was like, "Oh, I'm being really frumpy, so that's why I'm being fugly." I'm like, "Girl, your waist is still like 18 inches and poking out from underneath. Mm. You're not being frumpy." <laughs> like it's an incredible look. I would totally wear the look, but I think she completely missed the mark on the fugly part. Yeah. I, I did think it was completely beautiful. I thought it looked amazing. I loved all the colors in the hair. And like she was kind of as well saying as uh, being frumpy. She was like, oh, it's so gaudy. Like you don't know where to look. There's so many colors going on. I was like, well, actually, I feel like you've matched those colors beautifully. Yeah. That it, it's like a, it's a joy to look at. With this perfect glitter eye that she's done in like 15 <laughs> minutes. So, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> so were we agreed that Kitty deserved to win? Absolutely, I think it was her time, so she really deserved it. I thought they were going to give her the Cheryl Cole edit, or Cheryl Hole edit, where she was just going to like skate by with no win. Yeah, yeah, just, like dangled in front of her, but they, for like last minute they gave her to. Her. Well, yeah, they have to line it up now, so they they have a competitive top two for the for for the winner. So they need to start <laughs> giving some badges to Kitty so that she can like. Uh... 
Lily's thing. She's in the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did think it was going to hell of a day just based on the critiques and just the edit of the episode overall because it's kind of like the more you talk about not having won, the less likely you're going to win. It's, it tends to be the rule. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm delighted she finally got away because like she's she deserved it and as we kind of said that she's building momentum she deserves it kind of in a leonardo dicaprio sort of way for her history of work not just necessarily this challenge so <laughs> i thought that was great uh i have to say i think in this episode i was kind of on the fence as to whether i was warm to, to scarlet or not but I, I think she just wound me up one more last final time in untucked that I think I've just been like happy she's gone. Yeah, I'm. I, she kind of annoyed me for the last few episodes, so I was kind of happy to see her go. Yeah, the the like little jab at um at Crystal was very unnecessary. Um and, and like oh, the Anubis jab, yeah, yeah, mm. and it was kind of like like I don't know because it was like quite like even like expl- like I wanted someone to be like explain that joke. Are you yeah. saying that this look is ugly? Are you saying that Anubis does ugly drag? Like, what? What is this joke implying? Yeah. I want you to explain this. Mm. But then playing stupid afterwards when she was called up and it's like, oh girl, you know I didn't mean it like that. I was just like, no girl, you knew what you were doing. We all know what yeah. you're doing. We're drag queens. We're assholes. You knew what you were doing. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah, and especially after like opening up the episode to be like, oh well, you know, me and Kitty make RuPaul laugh, and the rest of you aren't funny at all. And then like taking that in that moment to basically just like make a joke out of Crystal, it was yeah. just. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm like, girl, you're you're like scream made Rue laugh. Don't get carried away with it. Like, yeah, when it's on a good edible that day, and you just happen to hit her at the right moment. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so anyway, Vanity and Scarlet are in the bottom two, which I thought was was fair. Yeah. Um, and they have to lip sync to Mystique Scandalous. I was kind of hoping it was the boy does nothing by Alicia Dixon, but it turns out this turned out to be a much better lip sync. And I think with the exception of possibly Tace's lip sync to Misery, I think this is the best lip, like Vanity's lip sync was the best lip sync oh, in she UK history. absolutely tore it apart. Like she yeah. like left no crumbs. As soon as that intro yeah. kicked in and I saw her do that first spin, I was like, oh my gosh, like just go home, Scarlett. Like you're not getting, yeah. <laughs> you're not going up against her doing like Mystique. Sorry. <laughs> No, it was just like, just go sit at the back of the stage and let us watch yeah. Vanity perform. Yeah. It was unreal. And that, like, I mean, again, it was like really amplified by the fact that you had Alicia Dixon literally... In the audience. Like, like, yeah. like every drunk girl at brunch living her life. Yeah. <laughs> Pixie Roo, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, let us people know what they can find you in this post glow up world. Are you half Pixie, half and Michael now? Back yeah. in Street 66, tearing well, up the dance floor. I'm back in bars again. I'm back dancing on the bars. So I'm back in the George <laughs> as well. You can catch me in the George every Wednesday. Catch me in Street 66 on Friday and Saturday. And more on social media now than I've ever been because I'm being forced to do social media. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> but keep an eye out. I'm going to be doing some tutorials and some videos and stuff coming up soon. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to pester you for a request in 366 Facebook. I take requests now. That's, that's the pandemic changed me. I now take requests. <laughs> <laughs> I feel we kind of rushed through that episode in a way. <laughs> I it, it sort of, I felt like I was on the clock. It was sort of like 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 the countdown thing. Like do 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 do. Like it very yeah. much was like that sense of of, of time is running out. But also, I'm not a hundred percent sure there was m- much more to say about it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like we've covered it thoroughly. 
I think we maybe we were just taking on some of the energy of the episode itself. I think that's what it was. I think that's well, what it was. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with you next week. If you want more from us, head over to the workroom and you'll hear all our bonus content. And there. don't forget to go buy tickets to our live show. We're yes. coming up. We're coming up on the finale. <sighs> and tickets yes, are flying out the door. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's not, there's not, there's still a few, but like over half of them are gone. Uh, so don't. Yeah, don't rest on your laurels. So yeah, head over to Eventbrite our live show. We'll be announcing a live guest pretty soon. So stay on our Instagrams as they step out to see who that person might be. We'll chat to you next week. See you, love you. Bye. Bye-bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.